Welcome back to the Funding University podcast. I am your host, Seth Block. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Recently, I was interviewed by Laura Breen Galante, who is a freelance writer and editor. Laura and I discussed many things, including traditional and alternative lending platforms. Later, we touched on what is going on in the funding space right now and what can be expected over the next year or two. So with that, let's get started. Um, Good morning. Uh, My name is Laura Breen Galanti, and today we're speaking with Seth Block. He is the CPA and founder and board member of Thermo Credit. He has uh, about 30 years of experience in lending under his belt. So we thought we'd ask him some questions this morning. Um, Thank you for joining us today, Seth. Really appreciate it. My pleasure to be here. Thank you, Laura. I think we'll just dive in. Um, How did you get your start in the world of lending? You know, almost by accident. Uh, I'm not a banker uh, by experience. I was a CFO. I've been CFO for several companies. Uh, I had helped start up a local dial tone company in Houston, Texas. Uh, I was the CFO for that company. And uh, Oh, gosh, back in 1998, we got sold to a company called Vartech, which was a huge long distance company. And in 2001, Vartech actually sold us to a competitor. Uh, And when that transaction went down, I knew that I was not going to be staying on. They had a CFO in place. So I, I assisted with the transition and then I started doing consulting work and I was working with telecommunications companies on how to buy properly from the carriers. And, uh, but the more I got into it with them, they started asking me about helping them out with their working capital issues. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but in 2001, the telecom industry was, a, was in kind of a, an upside down world. The MCI deal had blown up, uh, private equity was moving away from telecom and the banks were pushing these guys out So uh, they asked me to help them, and I started looking at some alternative lending sources for them, and that was kind of how I got into the world of lending. Okay. And then what did, um, you know, what prompted you to start ThermoCredit on your own? Well, well, that was kind of it. As I started working with these companies, I recognized that factoring was a really good solution for them because these guys were having a little bit of financial trouble. They're their credit wasn't as good as it had once been. Uh, some of them had concentration issues. And factoring firms really don't look at that. What factoring firms really look at is who the client is selling to. How good is their credit? Uh, so I thought, oh, that's an interesting solution. And by chance, I had a friend of mine who sat on the board of a company called RFC, and they specialized in factoring for telecommunications companies. So I reached out to him and he said, well, that would have been a good solution, except that a couple months ago, RFC was sold to Textron and Textron's a much bigger company and they're only doing bigger deals, like five to $10 million deals. My guys were looking for like a million or two. Uh, So I reached out to some other firms. The regulations around telecom scared folks off back then. Uh, So I looked at it and said, hey, there's an opportunity here. And that was kind of the first brain sparkle that got us talking about thermocredit. Okay. Can you, to take it back just a sec, can you kind of 
you talked about factoring. How is that different from a loan? Can you kind of break that down, explain it a little bit? Sure. So factoring uh, is very different from a loan. Okay. Uh, I guess to, to put it more clearly, in its purest form, it's very different than a loan uh, because factoring is the purchase of an invoice. Okay. Uh, it's, it's not a loan. And uh, I'll tell you real quick how it works, uh, or I'll give you kind of the generic view of how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say a company has an invoice, and, and for this, let's just say it's a $100 invoice, and they want to okay. factor that invoice. A factoring firm is going to purchase that invoice at a discount, and that discount can be 1%, 2 3%. Uh, so if you have a $100 invoice, they're going to buy it for $99 but they're not going to give you $99. They're going to hold back what they call a reserve. That can reserve, I've seen them anywhere between 10 and 30%, but usually they're like 15 to 20%. So if you got this $100 invoice, they may purchase the invoice and give you $85 the day that invoice goes out. And then they're going to wait for that invoice to come back. And when that invoice pays, they're going to keep the $85 they already gave you. They're going to send you back the 15 less the fee of a dollar. So in this case, you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, $99, but it's going to come in two tranches, $85 and $14. Uh, and that's how it works. It's uh, now I'll tell you this. That's how it works by de in definition. Uh, there's a ton of factoring firms out there. And they all have little twists and nuances on it. Uh, some uh, may do their fees a little differently. They may do the administration differently. And one thing that's really relevant is they will either do it on a recourse or non-recourse basis. Recourse means that if that invoice doesn't pay, and usually factoring firms like to see that happen within 90 days, if it doesn't pay in that 90 days and there's recourse, they're going to basically sell that invoice back to the company. Now, they may not actually get cash for it. They may offset that against some other invoices, but they're going to basically push that back. Okay. If it's if it's a non-recourse factoring agreement, uh, they all the responsibility of collections lies with the factoring firm. And in today's world, I'd say probably 75% of the deals out there are recourse and 25% are non-recourse. Obviously, if it's non-recourse, you're going to pay more for it because once you sell them the invoice, you've, you've got no responsibility. Uh, I will say this about factoring, and I don't mean to get on my high horse here. It is a very underutilized uh, method of funding a company. Uh, it's, it's easy to do. It is uh, much easier to qualify for than a bank loan. As a matter of fact, companies that haven't been in business for a couple of years, it is the easiest form of funding they can get. Uh, and it's really not that expensive. If you look at it, it's kind of similar to credit card fees. So if you're a company and you've got big invoices and your companies aren't going to pay you with a credit card, this is a great way to go. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of factoring. Okay, so you can offering diff a lot of different options that a bank just can't op offer. Yeah, so we do. We offer, uh, besides the factoring, we yeah. also offer what we call asset-based loans. I, I like to call them borrowing-based loans. Okay. And 
you know, these these also uh, are a little bit different than than the way the bank does it. Uh, you know, we look at the assets that the company has, accounts receivable, inventory, equipment, maybe even a little bit of real estate. And we put that together in a borrowing base and we say, hey, this is how much you can borrow. And then you can pull on it like a line of credit. Um, and so it, it is very different than what a bank does. Uh, we And it's easier to qualify for because we're really looking at where a company is now as opposed to where they've been for the last two or three years. So yeah, uh, that's that's a different solution we offer than the bank. And then again, like I said, we also do factoring. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the process of matching a company up with the right kind of loan. Um, do you have maybe a success story you can share with us? Um, I'd say I have lots of success stories I could share, <laughs> but uh, uh, I will, I'll tell you what I look at when I, when I uh, talk to a company. The first thing I look at is what type of loan can they qualify for? Uh, so if I go in and I look at a company and I look at their history, their financials for the last two or three years, and I say, wow, they've made a really good profit. Uh, they don't have any other debt. They're a candidate for traditional loans. They can go to a bank and get a loan. They can do SBA. And if that's the case, I kind of push them to that. Uh, if that doesn't work for them, uh, then I will look at, okay, what kind of assets do they have? Does an alternative loan work for them? How do the receivables look? Do they have high concentration? And, and if they don't, I'm going to push them towards an asset-based loan. And, you know, if a company uh, likes, uh, if a company has, if I can offer them a solution, I will certainly do it. Uh, you know, as long as I think it makes sense for the company. And if I can't, uh, I will, you know, refer them out to another alternative lender that might be able to help them. Okay. Okay. Um, so what advice would you have for an established company looking for financing, especially, I mean, now the interest rates are really on the rise. Well, that's a great question. And it's one that's really, you know, you look at interest rates and where they were even six months ago, there wasn't this huge concern about it. And, and now there is, uh, so I will say this, uh, if you're an established company and you're looking for, for funding, do it now because uh, you know, things are changing very quickly. Uh, but one of the things that's, that's going to happen is as rates go up, it's going to impact a company's ability to borrow or to say how much they can borrow. Because, you know, if you're a company, uh, and you're borrowing from a bank or you're borrowing from an alternative lender, one of the things they're really looking at is your debt service ratio. And okay. I, I don't want to get into a big, long explanation of what that is, but what it means is if, uh, let's say you're borrowing money and you're, uh, the cost to service that loan every month, the cash it takes to service it is $100,000. And let's say your company's making $150,000 per month. Well, then your debt service ratio is 1.5 to one, which is a nice ratio. The banks like that kind of ratio. Alternative lenders probably would be okay with a, with a smaller number. But if interest rates go up and nothing else changes, well, your cost of uh, that loan, it might go from, you know, 100,000 
to 105 or 110. And that ratio goes from 1.5 to 1.35, 1.4. And all of a sudden, you're not as attractive to a bank. The amount of money that you can borrow is less. Um, and as, as, and if we go into, I don't want to say as we go into a recession, if we go into a recession, <laughs> uh, those ratios are going to get tighter. Credit's going to become tighter. Those ratios are going to become tighter. And it's going to be even harder to not only get a loan, but service a loan. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I tell people, do it now. Put together a long-term funding plan now because you, there's still availability out there. It's still relatively easy to get, uh, but it's not going to be that way in the future. Okay. Um, so we were just talking about the credit markets tightening and it's becoming more difficult for startups to get capital, of course. So how does the Small Business Administration play into all of that? Well, for small businesses, um, the, really the, the best way that the SBA plays into that uh, would probably be their microloan program, which is a really interesting program. Uh, you know, most SBA loans, you got the 7A loan, you got the 504 loan. Uh, all of those are, are administered through banks and guaranteed, uh, I think, I believe the SBA guarantees 85% of that loan. So if you're getting those loans, you're really qualifying with the bank and you're qualifying with the SBA. Okay. Uh, the only one that was different was that EIDL loan that the SBA actually funded themselves. But for small companies, there's a program out there called the microloan program. Okay. And it's really kind of unique. Uh, what the SBA does is they actually license intermediaries to distribute these loans. And it's typically community banks. Uh, and so the way that works is you go to the community bank uh, and they will lend you up to $50,000. Okay. Uh, the payback period is up to six years and the interest rate's gonna be eight to 13%. And right now I'm seeing, I know a couple of folks that have gotten it done uh, and it is usually around 10%. Uh, the SBA funds these guys gives them, you know, kind of rules that they have to adhere to, but then, but you don't deal with the SBA. You're just dealing with this intermediary. Uh, so they're relatively easy loans to get. They work really well for startups. They can use the money for inventory, working capital, uh, that kind of stuff. They can't use it for real estate and they can't use it to pay off any debt. Uh, they do have to put up some collateral and, uh, and they're going to have to personally guarantee it. But like I said, the good news is it's a six-year payback period. The interest rate is, is not too bad. Um, you mentioned debt when you're specifically talking about credit card debt. I know that a lot of companies go deep into credit card debt and um, the debt I know can affect your personal credit rating. So what do you tell businesses that finance their success or failure with credit cards? You know, it's interesting because if you're a, a true startup, you've got an idea, you're starting up a company, it's really hard to get funding. Um, <laughs> you know, the you're, you're not a candidate for the banks. Yeah. You know, you might be able to get this, this SBA uh, microloan program. Uh, but for the most part, you're starting up from scratch and you really have, you know, you can go to family and friends and try <laughs> to get money. Uh, you can dip into personal savings. And then you've got companies out there that use 
their personal credit cards uh, to, you know, to finance the deal. And, and there's, there's a risk there. And the risk is, is that if that business fails, it's coming back on you. Uh, and I'll tell you something else I see. Uh, a lot of companies are getting these business credit cards. That's really become a thing in the last five years. Okay. And uh, it's because I just heard a story about this the other day. Uh, but with the business credit cards, it is, it is the only thing, they're not looking at the business's credit to get those. Okay. They're looking at the owner's credit. And because of that, the owner credit uh, is going to come into play. It, it's going to be affected if it goes bad and they're liable for it. Uh, so to me, I really, I always tell people, if you're getting business credit cards, don't think you're doing something that's protecting you from anything. It's not, it's, it's the same thing as a personal credit card. Uh, but here's the story I was going to tell you about. I just talked to a guy the other day was telling me this is that he got a business credit card and he was able to get like five different, not, not five different ones, but take that credit card and issue it to five different people. He gave it to his salespeople. And he had a salesperson that knew he was leaving. And in the last month, ran, you know, he had like guidelines for, for these yeah, guys. He yeah. just completely <laughs> blew that up and just, you know, spent like $10,000 on entertainment because he knew he was leaving. And the bad news for this guy is that he got stuck with it. So I'm not a huge fan of those. Well, and when you also, there's a lot of, you know, shady dealings. And when you talk about um, like um, predatory lenders and that sort of thing, I'm, you're obviously not in that category, but how can you tell the difference? Like if you're looking, um, you know, for financing between a lender who can help you out and one who's only out for profit, you know, kind of a. Well, I'll say this, first off, all lenders are out for profit, but you make a really valid point uh, that there are some companies out there that are looking to take advantage. And, right. you know, we see it more in the mat, in the merchant cash advance space than any other. Uh, and so I tell people when they're looking at loans, uh, you should really understand how that loan works and what you're paying for it. And if you're having trouble figuring it out, particularly if the lender is not being real upfront and explaining it really well, you should probably look elsewhere. That's perfect way yeah. to describe it. It doesn't make much sense. It's probably a good reason why, right? <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you also mentioned uh, merchant uh, cash advance loans. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? I could probably expand on it a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to get long-winded, but merchant cash advance loans are really hot topic right now. Uh, and I'll tell you, merchant cash advance loans have actually been around for a very long time. Uh, they originally were a way for a company to borrow against their credit card receipts. Uh, but in the last 10 years, they have morphed into something completely different. Uh, they are now a loan against future cash receipts. They are attractive to borrowers because they're easy to get. Uh, and you can get them done quick. I, I, most merchant cash advance loans are done like in a week. Uh, but the problem is that most companies don't realize the interest rate they're actually paying. And, and I'll give you an example. I had a guy come to me not too long ago, uh, and he wanted to get an asset-based loan from us. 
So, you know, we went through the process. I sent him an NDA. We started looking at his financials. And as I started kind of digging into it a little bit, I realized he had taken out one of these loans a couple of months earlier. And this merchant cash advance company had taken a blanket lien against all of his company's assets, which is standard. Wow. And uh, when I talked to the guy about it, he said, look, I'm, I'm hoping to pay it off with your loan uh, because the weekly draws and he was, I think the weekly draws were like $8,200 every week. They were ACHing his account, $8,200. Wow. And he said, those weekly draws were just killing him. Mm-hmm. So I said, Hey, look, I don't think you're going to have an early uh, payment uh, discount, but send me the contract. Let me take a look at it and see. Well, when I read the agreement, I, I was right. There was no early payoff. Because the deal structured as as a purchase of future cash advances. So in this particular case, he was paying back $343,000 over 10 months weekly at $8,200 a week, but he only got $245,000. Wow. And so I'm talking to him about it and he says, yeah, I know I, I needed the money at the time. It was quick. It was easy. And uh, I, I know it was stupid. I ended up paying about 40% interest and I should, probably shouldn't have done that. I said, I hate to tell you this, you're not paying 40% interest. And he said, yeah, I mean, run the numbers. I said, I did. And he's, he's walking me through how he got to the 40%. I said, wait a minute. This is a 10 month loan. It's not a 12 month loan. You're doing the amortization on 12 months. Right. So in reality, he goes, oh, look at that. It's 48%. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on. You did your calculations and the way it looks like in the agreement mm-hmm. that it was a two, you know, $245,000 was the outstanding balance. Like if he had just been paying interest, he would have been right. right, right. But he wasn't. He's paying that part of that payment's paying the loan back every month. So the average outstanding balance is 122,500 bucks. And if if you think about it, if you get a loan on a car, for instance, Mm -hmm. and it's $245,000 day one, Mm -hmm. at the end of the loan, it's zero. So the average outstanding balance is 122,500. That's what his average outstanding balance was, which meant, and when I told him this, he fell out of his chair. He was paying 96% interest. Oh, my yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, there may be good reasons to take out these loans. I haven't run across one yet. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, a borrower needs to be really careful when they're looking at these loans, uh, because if you read the agreement, it's really hard to tell how much you're paying. And and the other thing you got to think about is they're ACHing. They're they're pulling the cash out of your account. In this case, it was weekly. I've seen some that were daily. And wow. if they go to pull that money out and it's not there, mm-hmm. they're going to charge, it's in the agreement, they're going to charge you a penalty. And, oh you know, it like in this particular one, it was $800 was the penalty. And they're going to do it every day until they collect oh, their money, yeah. right? Yeah. So you just got to be really careful with these uh, and uh, and really understand what you're getting into. Well, and I would say that the majority of the population doesn't understand it and doesn't know what they're getting into. 
I mean, yeah. they need someone like you with all this expertise to tell them, look, it's right there in the, you know, in the, in the agreement. Um, I would, I venture to guess that most people don't know this going in, correct? I think that's right. <laughs> I, I have yet to find somebody who said, oh yeah, I took out a loan and I was paying, you know, 80% interest. And no, I was fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Most right. people I talked to at the end of the day had no idea. And it's like I said, it's not sold that way. It's of not, course, really, oh, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. structured that way. It's, Hey, I can get you two hundred, you know, forty five thousand dollars in a week, and oh, you know, you're good. just going to pay me back over the next year. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. So now, is that kind of um, morphing into why you started the funding university, so you can kind of educate people so they know what they're looking at and you know how to help their clients better understand? I, I think that's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, my goal when I started it was to educate management on the options out there. Okay. in the process to obtain the funding. Uh, you know, most people have to learn this as they go because it's not taught in school. And, okay. uh, you know, so uh, it, it's also a little self-serving because, uh, <laughs> you know, an educated prospect makes my life as a lender much easier. So that's that was kind of the thought in starting that. Okay, all right. So are you trying to create kind of like an educational forum or tell me your kind of your goal with this? Um, well, I think with the funding university, mm -hmm. I'm just putting a name on it. Okay. I, okay. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. It's always been the way I approached it. You know, okay. I try to educate my prospects on the options, on the process. Mm -hmm. And if they, and the reason I've always done that is because if they go with us, I want to make sure they're happy with that decision. They know how things are going to work. I hate for a, for a client to get in there. We start, pro, you know, doing our thing and they go, oh, I didn't realize it worked that way. Oh, and then they're upset. So I, I, I really try to avoid that. Uh, you know, I, I truly want to put out a, a, put a facility out there for a company that's going to help them move forward. And I think everybody on my team feels the same way. Okay. All right. Um... So I don't have any more like formal questions. I understand you're just kind of taking all your knowledge. You've got 20, 30 years worth of experience and now you're just educating others on what you've known. Like you, like you said, you're not gonna learn this in school. And so you've got to educate people somehow, correct? Yeah, that's right. And you know, my wife will tell you that if I ever became independently wealthy, uh, I would probably go back and teach high school history. I've always been a fan of education uh, mm -hmm. and teaching and all that. So this is an opportunity. I, I, I've got this knowledge. Uh, I've worked with so many companies now and with other lenders. I'm real involved with uh, the SFNet, which used to be the CFA. And uh, I've learned how a lot of other lenders do things. And now I'm just you know, sharing that. Okay, right. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me today and explaining everything for me. Right, uh, you know what, this has been fun. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. Okay, you too.